All right, we are rolling now. Counting us down. Three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey there, Misketeers. Welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. And if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be movies, music, television, spoken word, books, experiences, things that have built us up as people. And we hope that in sharing it, it builds you up. We are the retrospective that is introspective. Man, your podcast intros, they're like a sweet, sweet, sweet chemical dream. I tell you, every time I shovel down uh, cup after cup after cup of rat poison, it's your it's your sweet dulcet tones introing the podcast that sort of that sort of carries me off to my off to my rest. Oh, that's really sweet and sad. Ooh, so sad. Don't <laughs> don't like do actually, that. It's really uh it's it's only nice if you if you don't dig. Like the second you dig, it just it becomes really, really upsetting really quickly. Right. And that's all I do is I dig, baby. I'm like a gopher. Um, so this week we are talking about the 2003 album by the Mars Volta. Uh, the Mars Volta being a, uh, a reshuffling of the band at the drive-in. Uh, the album is their first album as the Mars Volta. Uh, it's called Deloused in the Comatorium. Uh, I brought this in because I really enjoy this album. It really gets you going, but it's also a concept album, which you know I love concept albums. So I thought I'd share with Lex Michael, and I thought I'd share with the rest of you guys at home as part of the last entry of our March into Madness. <laughs> um, so, what? Why are you laughing at me? No, it's it's great. I almost forgot that there was built-in branding for this. It's been, you know, every every week, because we're all still, uh, uh, you know, in uh, self-isolation, every week now sort of feels like six or seven years. And so, I forgot, you know, since we last spoke, that there was built-in branding for this. And it was a nice, that was just a nice uh, surprise for me just there. Aww. Um, and so, I guess I should pitch this for everyone in case you haven't heard the album in case you're not familiar with the work of the Mars Volta. Um, as I had mentioned, they are an offshoot of at the drive-in, which everyone knows as a very jam bandy band. Uh, they are known for their Latin influence, jazz influence. Uh, and they have a very like jam band feel in that they they kind of just go on for a long period of time jamming as much as they can like there could be songs that are as short as five minutes or as long as like 15 minutes uh and so the same goes for the mars volta but they decide to get a little bit more ex uh, experimental avant-garde and they really take advantage of the amazing guitar and bass and, and drum skills of their band and also managed to weave in a story that is very close to the heart of one of the members. And so if you really want to get uh, immersed in a, a different reality 
and you really want to feel the, uh, I would say, the musings of a man dealing with grief, then this album is perfect for you. That's my I pitch. Mean- then it sounds like it sounds like this album is perfect for me because what you're describing like that's that's sort of the platonic ideal of what of what entertainment is for me right like it's going it's going to get me pumped but it's also uh, going to drag me through this harrowing experience where like I have to sort of sit with somebody else's inner demons um, and feel their anguish and their agony and feel sad about their life for just a little while thus absolving me uh, if only temporarily of the burden of my own existence. I mean, is that not is that not what we what we do this for, Atari J? Definitely. That's that's why. <laughs> sure, I don't I I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what we're here for, baby. We're here to share our experiences and let other people resonate with those experiences. We are the retrospective. That's introspective. Oh, nope. I I got caught in a loop. Oh, Sorry. Shit. It's the it's all the rat poison and morphine I took, and now I'm just hearing you uh, on a cycle, just going over and over and over. It's like that you're like the what is it? It's a do you ever play? But you should play Bioshock, the first Bioshock. Uh, no. The your retrospective that's introspective is the like. Would you kindly? Which is, I guess, I won't spoil Bioshock for you, but it turns out that that is a, a key phrase, keyer perhaps, uh, as far as its effect on the psychology of the lead character than maybe you had been led to suspect earlier in the story. Bioshock's uh, uh, dope. You should. You I should see play that. Yeah, it's is is Bioshock. Is that the cake? Is the lie one? Uh, no, that's a uh, is that port is that Portal? Oh, is that Portal maybe. Two is the cake one? Probably. All right. Bioshock's uh, the one with the with the big daddies and the bathosphere and stuff. Oh, cool. Um, so <laughs> you're like, I totally know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, Lex is mentioning yes. rat poison, and so I feel like I should give a little bit of context in terms of the background of this album and kind of what some of the themes are. Um, and so the the background of this album is one of the main guys in the Mars Volta slash. Um, at the drive-in, Cedric Bixler, uh, Zavil- Zavalva. I'm bad at names, as you know. I'll take um, it. But he had a personal tra- tragedy in that his friend Julio Venegas uh, basically shot up a cocktail of morphine and rat poison. He was addicted to heroin and i believe that that was just what he got his hands on and which sent him into a week-long coma and then once he came out of the coma uh it is said and and uh there's no way to confirm this but one of the original guitarists from at the drive-in his name was ben rodriguez uh the band says that they may that he may have tortured like or tormented uh, Julio to the point where he decided to take his own life. So spoiler, not spoiler warning, but like trigger warning for discussions of suicide and uh, self-harm in that that is a main piece of this uh, album and the catalyst for its existence. And so um, this album and the concept uh takes from a, a short story written by Cedric in which he kind of deals with that reality. And also he um, imagines a world in which during that week of coma, 
um, Julio or the his the stand-in character known as Serpin, uh, essentially goes into another world and uh, navigates that in the midst of his slumber. And so that's the like wide uh, background of the of the album and like what the concept is based off of. So you hear that reference throughout our discussion about the concept. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess uh, for me, uh, this was actually uh, interestingly. Now, of course, the Mars Volta is a band that I've been aware of for you know well over ten years at this point. Uh, I, I believe. I believe that this, this listen through of this album, uh, per your recommendation, is actually my very first exposure to their work. Um, and I, I liked it, uh, but I, it was clear right away uh, that there was a lot of context, both uh, for the band artistically and also for the subject matter of this album in particular, that I was not necessarily privy to um we we do like and you'll have to you'll have to walk me through uh the breakdown of sort of the story of this album because uh i i feel like ordinarily uh after we drop a spoiler wall you'd kick it over to me and i'd be like all right so this thing you had me watch or listen to this happens and then this happens and then then this and 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 truthfully uh i don't i don't really know what happens in this story uh but i know that musically it's really interesting i mean there's a lot going on here and again i had no real frame of reference for their for their style for their influences and for what all of these sounds would would uh come together to sort of play as um and i and i definitely dig the album but it but like i said so so readily apparent that there is so very much context here uh that i am missing and so i'm i'm very much looking forward to uh sort of delving into that and having you uh, sort of walk me through this journey. Have you uh, feed me rat poison and morphine, um, and be my Sherpa down this? Down the, normally Sherpas go up a mountain. I'm mixing metaphors. You're going to be my Sherpa down a rabbit hole of uh, of uh, I don't know, sort of drug induced hysteria and stuff. But I will say, I, I definitely dug it. As somebody who's not um, super familiar at all, or, or familiar at all with the Mars Volta's repertoire, I actually came away very uh, pleasantly surprised and impressed with this album. Awesome. Um, so before we dive into all of that and and the like deeper story, I, I feel like we should drop down the spoiler wall just in case someone's like, oh, damn, there's a short story. Oh, damn, there's a concept. Why don't I check that out? Uh, so we will discuss all of that after the spoiler wall. Uh, and so be ramping up to that. Uh, if you would like, if you feel so inclined, so inclined, uh, please feel free to go on to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a rating and review. Uh, either or will do, uh, just to help us stay on the charts and help people find us. As you know, the most potent form of marketing is word of mouth. So uh, we ask that if you are feeling so kind, please do so. Let us know what you think, and it also helps us. Uh, know how we're doing within your hearts of hearts. Um, and also, if uh, we get a five-star rating, uh, we will read it here on the show. So if that is any kind of, you know, motivation for you, go ahead and do that. Go ahead, get, get, get your groove on. You will be recognized and lauded for your efforts. <laughs>
Oh, no. When we all come out of quarantine, there will be a, a monument erected, like just, you know, sort of like a monolith type thing that we'll put in, in the town square uh, in which your name will be inscribed. And, you know, uh, generations from now, uh, you know, kids will go with their parents and they'll they'll look at it. They'll be awed by the artistry of it. And they'll be like, you know, uh, uh, mommy, daddy, what are what are all these names? Who are all of these these people who, who we thought were so important that we wanted to etch their names into stone for, uh, you know, posterity so they could live through the ages. And they'd say, well, those were the people who gave five star reviews to the Missing Out podcast. And their work was was such that we we needed to take a moment and, and remember and consider and appreciate. And and the child would weep. They wouldn't know why. But they'd be so overcome with emotion. Um, and it would it would really it would change the course of, of their life, I think, forever. Disclaimer, Missing Out Podcast will no longer be accepting uh, five-star ratings as we do not feel obligated to create a monolith. And so uh, four-star ratings will do as well. Just let us know in the in your review that you gave us four stars instead of five stars in order to prevent us from having to create a monolith. Uh, uh, thank you in advance. Uh, also, if you leave a five-star review, we will be excited and we will work towards creating the monolith however it's going to be more of a kickstarter thing and that we have to get a certain amount of five star reviews in order to create the monolith disclaimer over all right thanks everyone uh we will see you uh right after this break all right we are back and so now it's time for Lex Michael, to the best of his ability, to bust a recap. Oh, okay, here we go. Ready? Here's here's what happens in uh, Deloused <laughs> in the Comatorium. Uh, so uh, there's a there's a guy uh, there's a there's a person who ingests a whole bunch of uh, morphine and rat poison uh, and he overdoses. Also, this guy's name is Ka- Ka- Serpent. Is it K- Serpent? Serpent yeah, Serpent Is that his name? Okay. Serpent, but but with a C. So it's a soft C. Serpent Taxed. So Serpent Taxed uh, basically uh, falls into a coma after overdosing on a mixture of uh, morphine and rat poison and basically goes on a, a, a large, uh, a, some kind of musical musical odyssey as he processes through his sort of, uh, his, his morphine and rat poison overdose. Uh, the, the title... Right. T- titles kind of kind of on the nose, lets you know what what happens from there. Right. He he delouses. Right. Presumably he comes down from his drug frenzy over time in this sort of what I imagine. Uh, again, see, ready. We've already hit the limits of my total comprehension of this story. I would imagine the comatorium in question is more sort of a uh, refers to more of a liminal space uh, within his mindscape wherein uh, a lot of these uh, these these uh, musical collisions take place. Um, I have no idea what happens in this story. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, I, I, yeah, I have no clue again, musically. I really dig it. I, I don't, that's it. Like that's as far as I could describe for you. Um, I hope, I hope it worked out. Okay. For him. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you got, you got the, 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 Broad strokes, the comatorium, specifically in reference to an auditorium. Um, so on the album cover, you can see a, a golden head with um, kind of a projector light coming from the mouth of it. Um, and so yes. that is kind of to represent 
uh, the fact that these images are being projected onto his subconscious from his and in the background of that these like this head on top of a what you could describe as like a surgical table is the weeping of someone behind him showing the the stark contrast between the reality and the fantastical slash um, surreal existence in this comatorium. Um, so okay. yeah, you caught, you caught it. You got, you got the, the gist. Um, so the, the story I'm itself. I'm really good at getting the gist. Yeah. That's all you really need is the gist, right? <laughs> I like to think I'll be remembered as a guy who got the gist. They can put that on my headstone, like, you know, a uh, uh, birth year, death year. That guy really got the gist. Ooh, yeah. I like it. Uh, and then people will bring their children to your headstone and the children will be like, mommy, mommy, what does that mean? And they'll be like, from what uh, I understand, I, he, he got it. He got the gist. And, and the right, like he couldn't really talk to you in detail about things, but he he could like he could follow the conversation, but he couldn't really engage with the honey, like turns turns to his wife and stuff. And she's just shrugging. She has no fucking idea. So they don't know what to tell their kid. So they have right. to come up with a kind lie. Of course. Um, so, yeah. Uh, in in detail, specifically, um, the first three songs are um, the initial dive into the, uh, the extra, the ESP world. So the ESP stands for Ectopic Shape-Shifting Penance Propulsion. Um and so there are oh, traditionally in different. yeah in uh, Mars Volta slash uh, at the drive-in lore slash uh, traditionally in their music they have a very like anti-religious uh, stance because of how they feel religion influences people and the things that it makes them do um, and so. Um, this, I think, really kind of gets to that, uh, especially as you get later in the album when we start dealing with more uh, deities and, and the beliefs that people have and, and uh, like the, the uh, serpent character becomes a, a god himself. Um, you start really kind of diving into that piece. Uh, and, and that kind of also is where the shape-shifting comes because once you get to the, I believe it is the sixth. Yes. It's the sixth track. Um, area, Tarka, area, Tarka. Um, I'll take it. The, that is a song about in this scape, um, this doctor, uh, with hands that are made of, uh, innumerable number of dog heads essentially rips his flesh <laughs> apart uh, and transforms him into a different creature and it's this other woman character that he becomes um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Clavia Tica Tres Ojos which is this, this woman with three eyes um, mm -hmm. and so uh that's where the, the shape-shifting and, and transformation comes from. Um, and so the, the general story is he's, he makes his way down into the scape, first through uh, a train yard, um, and then from the train yard, he, in, he gets to 
um, the submarine slash ship graveyard, and that's where we where we start in in track five, which is drunk ship of lanterns, and it really paints this amazing uh, surreal landscape in which he is in the midst of a just like an open space that is emoted by all these dead uh, derelict submarines, and they're just in this kind of like spiral motion and he eventually gets trapped inside of one as a bunch of planes start falling from the skies. Um, and so, okay. Yeah. And so like once he gets out of the submarine, that's when he is taken, uh, against his will to, uh, Dr. Wolfram who tears him apart and creates him, uh, in a different form. Which, taken outside of the context of these things, um, if you were to try to apply this to what uh, Cedric is thinking of the the like outer mind frame of this character, uh, you know the first parts are essentially this guy um, going into a dream, yes, but then you could imagine him kind of uh, once we get to Drunk Ship of Lanterns, kind of going through his own memories, and so, so part of that moat of derelict ships and, and submarines is his childhood home. Um, and so it's that aspect of the dreamscape where it's slightly familiar, but it's also surreal. Um, right. And then once you get to the next track, uh, this idea of this creature, this like doctor ripping him apart is what I would imagine um, his body intuiting that, there's work being done on him on the outside and trying to interpret what that means for him. And so then you really get this idea of this, this doctor who is probably a doctor on the outside, who's trying to keep him alive. Um, and his own internal struggle of like what it means if he is brought back out of this coma. Um, and it's this, uh, this, this feeling of will it, transform him into something else um will he remain the same and then everything goes crazy um oh, so then once everything he, goes crazy oh then everything goes crazy because once he becomes um tres ojos he um he is basically it's prophesied that um he would come and save this new group of people so he's basically a deity at this point um who uh, had a mission and then uh, failed their mission. And so they uh, be, they essentially are left in this desert to collect dust. Um, and then their body is, uh, is buried underneath the desert. And that body uh, is thought to be sleeping. And so this civilization, um, believing that the new form that they would rise as, which is... Um, Mortia Niatilla, um, whatever. Yep. Um, so believing that that would be that, um, his, her rising would, um, be the, the rise of that creature, uh, starts giving their children to this, this entity. And that entity, um, is devouring their children instead of like, whatever it was supposed to be doing to keep um more um sleeping 
Okay, so eating children as opposed to not eating children. Right. Um, because like there's there's definitely two polar uh, options there, and they definitely went the other way, it sounds like. Right. I mean, it, it sounds like they're using um, the threat of this prophecy or the the they're using the the threat of this um their lore in order to control people and and you know suck out their own uh means which is right. their commentary on on religion it's it's that whole thing um and that's where we get to like secretaries and uh this apparatus apparatus must be unearthed which are tracks 7 and 8 um and then essentially <laughs> we get to uh televators which is the the moment that he wakes up in the in the real world of this story um but also it's it's almost like a slow motion telling of him jumping off the uh the overpass into oncoming traffic which is how Julio uh committed suicide and it's also uh how this character also did it um and so a lot of the lyrics are about um you know this this character's face meeting the concrete and the in this in the story it is essentially right before he hits the ground um he is pulled out of his body into back into the esp um which i assume is is cedric's way of kind of processing him like the the body that hit the ground um was not his friend his friend was rescued before having to feel that pain um okay yeah uh and then uh you know the the last track uh track 10 uh take the veil is more of a third person perspective of someone talking to the body or the the entity that was uh serpent so it's it's a it's a lot there's a lot that happens there's quite a bit quite a bit um and i like okay so i i do like um that they do manage in terms of the content of the story to sort of tie in i was curious about the design like the cover art um the art but then there's there's two different if like if you go to the wikipedia you can see two different um versions of cover art one i think is the standard version and one is uh like an alternative for like certain limited editions and the artist by the way has the fucking metal as shit name of storm thorgerson mm-hmm. uh, storm thorgerson did the album artwork and in both versions even though they're very uh very different pieces you've got a head that's detached from a from a body um the the main album uh art as you said it's got the the golden head with the sort of light coming out of its mouth um but also like the head has been removed. The head is like cut off and on a plate. So there's no body attached to it. And then on the other, and this I thought was sort of interesting as you were talking about, um, you know, uh, the, the physical form, the more recognizable human physical form being um, distorted or changed into something uh, certainly less recognizable, perhaps more fearsome, scarier, uh, uh, more, uh, you know, elemental maybe. Uh, I think this, this second, like the alternative album cover is really uh, interesting because you've got like what looks like a lake surface um, and you've got a face of uh, you know a man's face like he's floating on his back but the head is not attached to anything but, but just beneath the surface you've got coming out the back of the head like all of this like t- you know t- viney sort of tentacle 
roots kind of like descending lower and lower into the into the body of water like it's a like it's a kraken or some shit Mm -hmm. um and i just think that's like crazy evocative and really unsettling but i from the sound of it uh it, it doesn't sound like they they allude specifically to the form he takes being a weird floating tentacle head but that would be rad i feel like that's the only thing missing from the breakdown you just gave me is that oh yeah at the end he's a big floating tentacle head that you got to shoot with lasers it's like if you played star fox 64 it's like the end of star fox 64 where the fucking the bad guy andros is like boom he's a giant brain he's like only i have the brains to rule lilat and shit and you have to fly your spaceship around and shoot at his little brain pieces um uh it sounds like it's not like that which is a little disappointing if I'm being totally honest. It sounds like there's a really beautiful personal artistic statement that they were trying to make and they could have put uh, uh, laser spaceships and a giant floating tentacle head in there and made it even better. Uh, and they didn't. But look, it's it's fine. Uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a personal artistic statement. I don't want to I don't want to uh, uh, ding them too hard for not going full bore on the giant floating tentacle head. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, they did put that art out there into the world. You know what I mean? Like this is sort of like uh, this is sort of like how all of this the the art pieces from Rise of Skywalker keep coming out, and everybody's like, "Oh, that would have been amazing! I want to see that movie." Well, I'm looking at this uh, alternate cover right here, and it's this really great. I mean, both covers, like not for nothing, like all kidding aside, like really cool uh, pieces of art. But I want I want this story. Like if you if you pull up this cover, I want. I want the story where he just sort of rockets like face first out of the of the lake and then just the giant floating tentacle head uh, sort of lords overall. I want that. Can mm-hmm. we do the sequel? It's not too late, right? Like Mars Volta is still like they could they could make another album. Totally. They could do it. Let's do the sequel. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's cash in. Let's we made the personal artistic statement. Uh, very successfully, uh, right? Because this album was uh, sold really well, was very well received commercially, very well received by the fans. Um, but now, now that we've done that, let's just cash in. Let's sell out hardcore and let's do the version of this that's all about the giant floating tentacle head monster. Like, let's alienate everybody we won over with the sort of raw, visceral, personal nature of that previous statement. I'm down. Are you down? Come on this journey with me. <laughs> All Take right. the rat poison. Heck yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You hear that, folks? Lex Michael knows better than the band, and he is going to take them in a wild new direction. Um, I didn't say I know better. You only get to do this because they did they did it so well and so uh, with such pure artistic intention the first time. You can't right. just go right to cynical cash grab giant floaty tentacle head. You right. have to earn it. And I feel like they earned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lex Michael is the J.J. Abrams of, uh, of of band things. He like swoops in and he's like, you know, I know what you did it was really like thoughtful and interesting, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make it nostalgic and boring. I'm gonna make all the worst choices. Everyone on Reddit said maybe this uh, thing should have focused more on the the rat poison itself like where do you get the rat poison like oh man ah oh, what wh- what do you guys think about the, tr- the 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 cars that hit his body afterwards like let's focus on those things not <laughs> the album opens with a little a little uh, a little uh, it's like a little clip of Oscar they get Oscar Isaac to come in because they're big they're popular band now and stuff they get Oscar Isaac to come in and just they're like here read this he goes really they're like yeah read it he goes okay <clears throat> uh our, wor- our our worst fears have been realized somehow 
Serpix took more rat poison. <laughs> and the band's in the booth like, yeah! Woo! Uh, that's what I want. That's really all I want now. Cool. I mean, so here's the hard part. Um, they're not a band anymore. <laughs> they broke up. Um, okay, but bands break up and reunite all the time. Yeah, yeah, but they're not. They won't. Um, well, they've been asked. Um, so, oh. but speaking of the band. Uh, I didn't ask them. Okay. Well, good luck. <laughs> uh, speaking of the band, um, I, because uh, I really want to talk about the music a little bit. Um, yes. The uh, The bassist on most of the songs, with the exception of uh, Televators, I believe, was Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, oh. Yeah. So he uh, came right, in and was fun. like, bow, bow, bow. Um, and also uh, Omar Rodriguez Lopez, who did a lot of, uh, almost all the, the guitar on, um, uh, for At The Drive-In. He, he's a prodigy, basically. Um, he was also, like, all of the super long, amazing riffs uh, on this album are his work. Because um, he's, he's great. Uh, and so, like, something I really like about the the music on this album is that it varies so much and it goes like it can be as soft and uh contemplative as a televators but it can also be uh hard and and in your face is like a roulette dares or inner inertiatic esp or it can be a long combination of both which you get in cicatrice esp and i really like that breath that because they are allowed to experiment and kind of just let themselves be free enough to improvise in the booth, which like some of the lyrics uh, were thought of on the spot, like Cedric really wanted to allow himself to feel his way through the songs. And so like, he may have written a a lyric at, at an earlier point, but like when he got in, he allowed himself to really improvise, uh, which I, I think you can, feel that the intention was to express a feeling and not necessarily be bound by conventional like music whims or not whims like rules i guess is the word i'm looking for um right so the first song that i had heard on on this album was secretaries and and uh i got completely obsessed with it because um it not only is it a, just a, it's a journey in and of itself. Um, the the lyrics are very, uh, they are, um, they're, they're, they're a lot. There's a lot, like the lyrics, um, <laughs> because the way that, uh, that Cedric writes his lyrics, and also the if you, if you've read the short story, he writes the story in the same way and that they are, very um they're very flowery and it's it's very much like there are small like alliterative references to other things like there's a lyric in um drunk <laughs> drunk ship of lanterns that like the whole song itself is paying small homages to um different aspects of surrealist artists um and one of the last lyrics uh, makes specific reference to the melting clock painting by Salvador Dali. Um, yeah. So like the whole, the whole thing is is like that. And so Secretaries 
um, the first um, lyric itself is intriguing in that it is a statement of impossibility. It is uh, sutures contusions, which like contusions are, are um, basically bruises. And so you, but for it to be a contusion, it can't break the skin, but in order to make a suture, it has to be like, uh, uh, like broken skin. Like you have to stitch it up. Um, and so like that pulled me, I was like, Oh yeah. Um, and then from there, the music itself, the, um, the way that the instrumentation, the way that it just takes like a five to seven minute break in the middle. And it's just like, yo, let's just fucking jam bro. Um, and it's like, it's an assortment of instruments and noise. Um, it, it keeps you guessing the whole time. Um, and you discover new things every time you hear it. Um, or at least I do. Uh, uh, I can definitely, I mean, and this is a, there's a lot of, um, I mean, it's just the, the sort of cursory, uh, very cursory research that I did um, after I listened to the album. It seems like there's a lot of uh, obviously uh, influence from previous jam bands. Like I see them compared to King Crimson a ton, which I think actually I I wouldn't have thought necessarily to make that comparison, but I can definitely see it. Um, But there's a lot of what feels like jazz influence, like very like improvisational jazz influence as well. And Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, now for a lot of people, maybe that's a turnoff. I I dig jazz a whole bunch. I get how some of it can feel, especially the more um, improvisational stuff can feel a little bit cacophonous to somebody who, if it's not necessarily their, their thing, or if, you know, they're not uh, uh, used to engaging with music, that's that sort of free flowing and all over the place. But I've found like jazz in particular, I feel like in terms of discovery, right? Like going back and finding new uh, and different nuances and things like that. Um, uh, yeah. I feel like that's, this album absolutely, absolutely has that. I listened to uh, this album because you told me you wanted to talk about this album, I think over a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've listened to it. I want to say, probably three times all the way through. And I still feel like, oh, wow, I'm just now starting to wrap my head around everything that they're doing because there is so there's, there's such a range of influences and there's such a range of elements that they're playing with. And they, they throw it all together and just sort of run with all of it. And what feels like um, it feels, I'm not going to say improvisational necessarily, but it feels very free flowing, but uh, historically, and it, this has become less true the older I get, but for a long time, like in high school, I was not necessarily as into jam bands as a lot of people I knew. Mm-hmm. And I, I never really uh, put words to why that might be. But now in hindsight, I'm thinking, well, maybe uh, it's because I felt like, uh, I, I, I don't know, I wanted to feel like the, the artists sort of taking me on this musical journey had a clearer idea of where we were all going together than I felt like maybe some jam bands uh, uh, were exhibiting, which of course is a totally arbitrary thing. That was like a personal taste thing at the time. But my point is that I feel uh, like the songs on this album do a really great job. And, and it's really interesting too, to note how I feel like they actually split the difference perfectly. I feel like every song is, and it helps of course, that it's, you're, you're building into telling one uh, single uh, story from beginning to end, but all of the songs feel like they get to be freewheeling and improvisational and just kind of go wherever. And, you know, the, some of these songs are like 10 minutes plus. Um, but at the same time, it feels like it's all intentional. It feels like every, every uh, sequence of notes, if not every note within a sequence is 
chosen for a specific purpose. It feels like there is structure there, but that they are confident enough within that structure that they can then just sort of, uh, uh, you know, go wildly off in this direction, that direction, because they have a strong uh, spine to come back to. Um, and to me, that made it, it – it's like, okay, well, if we're going to go off into the weeds for five solid minutes of jam stuff, I now trust implicitly that I am in good hands and that we are actually going to get back on the track we were on before um, in a way that facilitates the whole. Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. I mean, that takes me back to Secretaries again, where after the initial – or after the – seven minute uh hangout session like it, it finds a really good way of not just building back into the the momentum of the beginning of the song but it also um like slips back into it like calls back to previous lyrics um which is the main chorus of i've defected but also really um amplifies it by adding in layered vocals and increase the the pace of the drums and the and the guitar and it really like crescendos into like a really big uh fun like a like a just a super fun way to end something that was super chill um but also like i think another thing that i really enjoy especially specifically about this album because like i've also listened to a bunch of other uh mars volta albums like specifically i really liked francis the mute which is another story concept album um but it's less personal in that it is based on a journal that cedric had found and so it was him like kind of recanting recounting those stories but like i uh as i've mentioned love uh concept albums that are are helpful in in terms of people processing emotion like another band that i've talked about on this show is coheed and cambria and yes. their afterman two-part album is almost the uh, almost the same kind of concept as uh delos in the comatorium in that the catalyst was his the claudio the the main singer uh his wife discovered through facebook that one of her friends had died and so mm. um essentially it was him watching her process the those feelings and feeling not knowing how to help and that kind of started his journey in terms of figuring out uh how someone processes death and how people all uh deal with it in different ways and what happens once you die and so that also takes you into this crazy dreamscape in which they they build their own afterlife um and so i really like because it reminds you that you know as entertaining and fun as music is it's also a method of self-expression it's also a way that people uh can take the things that they feel inside uh, that they may not be able to express with words or with other people. And they, they put them to, to pen and paper or use an instrument or use whatever method that they can. And they funnel all of those feelings into this art, which then evokes the same resonant, resonating feelings in the people that, that, also maybe struggling to find 
uh, the words or the feelings that they are dealing with. And I love yeah. that. Absolutely. Did you, were, have, were you ever uh, a musically inclined person? Like, did you ever pick up an instrument and try to learn? Um, I, I've tried different instruments and I've, I'm, I find them hard to play. I'm more of a like singy type person. Okay. I mean, that's legit. I mean, in a technical and very, very real sense, I mean, that is also an instrument. It's yeah. just an instrument that you don't have to, that you don't have to go spend additional money on and stuff. Uh, you don't have to lug it around with you in a separate box or something like that. Right. Um, that's legit. Yeah. Like I, I, it's incredibly, yeah, it's just an incredibly therapeutic way to process emotion and stuff. And like, I, I, Absolutely, like what you're saying is very much resonating with me because even though I am not a, um, I'm not a musician in the sense that like I don't write music. You know what I mean? Like I learn other people's stuff and I can play that. Like I play guitar and I sing and stuff. But yeah. it's like even just having that as an outlet, right? And so I can imagine, um, like I am. Uh, Envy, envious is not really the right word because envy sort of implies jealousy. It's not so much jealousy, but I'm sort of in awe of people that are able to um, take all of their emotion and not just like I can I can write and I can articulate uh, verbally uh, what I'm feeling and how I'm processing through what I'm feeling, but to able to turn it into not just uh, poetry, because what are lyrics if not poetry, but also to be able to create new sort of uh, a new soundscape to it that sort of reflects what you are feeling in a way that enables other people to sort of share that with you. Like, it's just, it's insanely powerful to, to so much so that even I, as somebody who's not, uh, who doesn't generate that stuff out of my own uh, consciousness, I can, I can sort of replicate other people's work, even just being able to replicate other people's work. It's so, um, emotionally, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like transportive in a way, right? It's mm -hmm. like, uh, um, it's just sort of like, I don't know, man, is that, is that juice? You know, I mean, you, I know, I know for sure that like you sing to stuff. So, you know, right. It's like that release, like anybody who, even if you just sing in your car, yeah. you get that like huge, um, there's like an endorphin rush. If you like, if you feel like you're hitting the notes and you're, you know what I mean? Like, um, it's, it's super powerful. And so, uh, yeah, I just, um, especially to process, you know, going back to this album in particular, um, processing something that's real sort of tragedy and real, uh, there's real loss here, right? Because, um, it's, it's dealing with the, the passing of a friend also, right. Um, like right after they did this album, didn't like one of the band members, um, uh, died of a, of a drug overdose as yeah. well. Um, and so it's, they're finding a way here. Um, and this is something that I think is really impressive, especially given how heavy, the subject matter is, um, and how, you know, obviously there, there's, um, if you look at the short story you're talking about, I guess what, what it sounds like is there's a heavy, heavy layer of, uh, allegory in the story they're telling, which sidebar, like we've talked in this show about how I love, like most of my favorite horror stories are, um, they're, they're using a supernatural thing as allegory for something real, but yeah. they find a way to talk about something very heavy and very personal and very, um, I, I mean, I mean, there's a way to tell this story that's just so depressing and soul crushing the entire time. And they find a way to to uh, do something musically that feels very honest and very raw, while at the same time feeling um, kind of light and fun and adventurous and not. Um, how do you. OK, Be uh, Ben Folds, uh, I think, did an interview 
years and years and years ago. Um, and he referenced the challenge of writing songs about yourself and your own emotional state, but without being, uh, the way he put it was emotionally lewd. And I, I think about that phrasing very often because it's it's a lot of people uh, who are inclined to write about their own emotions, whether it's musically or um, in essay form or in a script or whatever. Um, it can be very difficult to to sort of walk that line, uh, you know what I mean? And I feel like they they manage to be raw and real without being emotionally lewd and while also managing to to maintain this sort of fun, whimsical, adventurous feel to it. And I feel like that's again, as somebody who is not a musician uh, by trade or by practice or even by hobby, I, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine it's got to be pretty difficult to strike that balance and to walk that line, you know? And so I'm sitting here a little bit sort of in in awe, honestly, at, at what they were able to accomplish with this project in particular. Because yeah, I don't. I don't know that I could do this, Tari. I think is what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know that I could sit and bust out this album in a day and a half. Uh, I think is my point. I mean, I think that like you can accomplish the same feeling just in the medium that suits you the best. Like I think that everyone is. <laughs> no, like I think that like everyone has a a medium that I think that is best suited for them to express and 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 really push through and and uh like resonate with others um and i think that that is part of when you're going through the process of like self-actualization and and like understanding how you communicate and all that stuff um i think that that is a part of it is finding what it is that um whether it be what skill what uh method of communication what um like interactive methods resonate with you the most and really diving into those. So like, I think that everyone is capable of ex like resonating with people in different ways. I think it's all about finding whatever that medium is like for you. Um, I think, yes, it's storytelling. It's also um, it's movies. It's, it's uh, it's uh, like writing. All of those aspects are ways that you found. And for me, it's, it's, also writing it's also um like singing like those things like whatever it is dive into it let like let it uh don't be ashamed to to feel those things and to find your method of expressing them you're right i am gonna do the the sequel to this where <laughs> the giant floating head reigns over all uh, litigation be damned it's my truth god damn it yep. It worked for the the spaghetti western, you know. It's gonna be it's gonna be just like um, it's gonna be the, the the head's gonna float into the sky. It's gonna be like that Rick and Morty episode where he like demands everybody perform uh, uh, songs for the the prize, the the luxurious gift of staying alive. And yeah. Stuff. It's going to be just like that. And so I'm actually going to have the Mars Volta suing me. I'm going to have uh, Justin Roiland probably suing me as well, because he's going to be like, this is very clearly not just ripped off from me, but it's also very clearly ripped off from me. Right. Because the, <laughs> so be, but they're all, they keep just saying, show me what, like in the exact, like you actually sample the show me what you got from the show. <laughs> And it turns out what I discover uh, along this journey is actually my truest medium of self-expression is, uh, as the 
defendant in copyright infringement trials. <laughs> I mean, some people, they find their greatest joy in plagiarism, you know? And who's who's to say that that isn't a legitimate art form? People, forgers, like man, they make so much money. I feel like the mad dream is to go, yes, I am absolutely going to steal other people's intellectual property. I'm absolutely going to infringe upon their copyrights, uh, but I'm going to do it so well. It's going to be so good that they're like, well, we can't sue. Like, we look even better than before. You know what I mean? Like, that's the dream. Right. You just, like, anytime someone tries to sue, you go, I'm doing a Quentin Tarantino. So you can't. (laughs) Because I'm doing him, like I'm doing a Tarantino. And they're like, oh, he's Tarantinoing. Okay. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Uh, next week, I'm back in court. Tarantino's suing me for using his name in this way. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this is my art. <laughs> oh, man. Um, do you have any final thoughts about this album before we head out? Oh my God, we're already wow. Yeah, we did we did some time. Um, honestly, uh, my big thing was uh, like I said, I I this was really my first proper exposure to the Mars Volta, a band that I had been aware of for for again like well over. I mean, uh, God, the better part of twenty years now. Um, so I I appreciate you uh you sharing this with me. I guess really because uh because I am so new, I'm such a novice in, in, uh, this land, uh, that you have brought me into, I guess I want to know what, what, if you had to tie a nice little bow on why you wanted to talk about this album in particular, um, what, what, how would you do that? Like what, what, what does your little bow look like? Because I feel like that, that is maybe a more poetic note to end on than whatever I, I give me your art, give me your, give me your beauty, give me your truth and stuff because, because mine is just, I'm just stealing. I'm just stealing other people's good work. Right. right, And I don't know if I have confidence enough in this piece of theft uh, to go into court and be like, look at it. (laughs) So for me, I think that uh, a part of the, the first way that I initially learned to um, really start listening to my own internal dialogue about my emotions and things is through music and so albums like this resonate with me in that it is the same way that the person creating it also uh finds a way to express themselves um and so i think that for me especially during trying times it is really nice to dive into the the performances and art uh that is around and and other stuff that is like really uh been formative in uh in in my life and i i find it really comforting to uh go back to those things but also like feel the things that i felt and feel the things that they want me to feel um because it, it's an it's an, just another reminder. We talk about this a lot on this show that like when you hear something where someone is expressing a thing that you feel, it's a reminder that you're not alone in feeling that thing. Um, right. And I I felt like it was a really good way to uh, bring this into people's lives if they haven't heard it and and let them experience the journey for themselves. Um, and it was another excuse for me to do so as well. Like I've been really diving into media a lot more just to like 
let it wash over me and resonate. And this was one of the songs that, or this is one of the albums that I will always listen to from top to bottom. Like sometimes I'll, I'll listen to disparate songs, like if I'm working out or something, but like this one, I feel like is best served, uh, from beginning to end in one consecutive listen only takes you an hour and you really get to immerse yourself in that journey. Um, and I think that if you're, especially since these days, hours feel like an eternity, why not take one of those hours and sit back, let yourself be immersed in a, in a new reality for a little bit, not to escape, but just to, to feel something for a good hour and then you can move on with your day. It's just a reminder to just, Hey, take it, take it one, one hour at a time, you know? Um, yeah, just grab your, grab your favorite morphine rat poison cocktail, kick your feet up, put some headphones on and, uh, in, enjoy. Yes. Um, at disclaimer, when, when you refer <laughs> to a, a rat, <laughs> rat poison morphine cocktail, we were referring to, Legal, uh, legal <laughs> things like alcohol, coffee, uh, um, right. marijuana, like if it is legal in your right. Right. area. Um, it's like disclaimer. This man doesn't fucking work here. Don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, you know, just, just, just let yourself enjoy uh, some music, um, is the long and the short. Um, but let us know what you thought of Deloused in the Comatorium, uh, you can do so at Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. That's on Twitter and Instagram. But if you want to talk to Lex about his plagiarism, uh, you can do so. Uh, where can they do so, Lex? Oh, man. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael. Awesome. And you can find me at Tari J. That's T-A-U-R-I. J-A-Y and you can talk to me about this album you can talk to me about um, your your life and the things that make you happy you can talk to me about the things that make you sad you can talk to us in general about those things um, but uh, we, you know we can't offer you a monolith that's the one thing we cannot do is offer you a monolith um, but we thank you for listening in. We thank you for taking the time to listen to the album if you've done so. Um, and we hope that you continue to uh, tune in. So until the next week, this has been the retrospective that is introspective. And now you have a new perspective. Which you you can totally steal and claim as your own um, as long as you do it really 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 good because i'm no hypocrite if you do it really good and i take you to court you'll be sitting there being like well this was my vision for that sign off and i'll be like shit that's a really good vision and it'll be a win-win win-win-win for everybody except i'll probably still make you pay the court fees as you should but i'll appreciate you yeah i'll appreciate your name will go on the monolith disclaimer the monolith will never (laughs) exist please don't expect a monolith (laughs) 